Hi, my name is Jared Dudley, and you're listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show. Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast. We appreciate you joining us today on the show. We are talking Bleacher Report's top 15 centers. At number seven, our thoughts on that. As soccer has tried to start back up in Orlando, can we expect the same results from the NBA? Lineup experiments we can expect in the Orlando bubble, as well as fans' reaction to Booker and DA showing up with monitors. My name is Tim Tompkins. As always, Mr. Greg Esposito. Ahoy, ahoy, gentlemen. And we could not, could not not mention the very famous managing editor, Bright Side of the Sun, Mr. Dave King. Hey there, how's it going, everybody? Hold on, he gets a very famous now? What, what is going <laughs> Infamous, on maybe. Or, or, I don't know where I'm famous. I'm famous in my own house, that's for sure. The, I was going to make a comment, but it was going to be a low blow, and I, I don't want to do that. In these or at least infamous. And so on that note, gentlemen, the uh, Bleacher Report has released the top 15 centers in the NBA. Let's go ahead. And uh, one of you guys want to read off that list? Sure. I can, I can read off a top 15 list because everybody wants to hear it. Uh, it's Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Bam Abadam. Adebayo, I always mess that one up. Abadabadu. Abadabadu. Bam, Nikola Vukovic, DeAndre Ayton, LaMarcus Aldridge, Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams, Brooke Lopez, Montrez Harrell, Derek Favors, Jonas Valanciunas, and Christian Wood. That is your top 15 centers according to the Bleacher Report. All right, so let's go from the top here. You got Nikola Jokic. I think yeah, he's definitely better than Aiton at this point in his career. Um, Joel Embiid is definitely better than Aiton. Carl Anthony Towns is currently better than Aiton. See, he that's brings... that's the one where I kind of paused. I, well, that's that we I start disagree. pausing. Right. right, that's where we start pausing and start going. And I'm thinking about Aiton's near-term peak, not necessarily like the the uh the collective of his first year and a half in the nba but his near-term peak um i think he's i think he's got all he's got the chance in the next 12 months to be arguably better than carl anthony towns for a basketball team because he he plays defense as well as offense and carl anthony towns be it his environment uh be it his uh his own predilections on how to you know what he wants to focus on on the basketball court he's not really focusing on defense he's focusing on taking nine threes a game which is really fun and really good for the stat nerds and 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 everybody but it doesn't really lead to them winning games yet uh and of course the suns haven't won many games either but the suns are in florida and the wolves are not so uh <laughs> the suns have at least made the Bubble Boys uh, group of 22 teams. And uh, I, I do think that's where it starts breaking down, where in the near term, DeAndre Ayton could rise up here. Now, Rudy Gobert, you can argue that he has a whole opposite impact that Carl Anthony Towns does in that he plays all defense and only uh, dunks it on offense, uh, doesn't have much other offensive game. Um, 
but he is an all-star and he's he's pretty darn good at basketball. Bam at so, a bio. So hold on, hold on. So let's let's stop there, because um, I do think that the Rudy Gobert argument is interesting, specifically because Rudy Gobert did not have the same Im- impact last season as he had in other seasons. But when I went through this list mentally, I was thinking to myself, would I rather have X player over DeAndre Ayton? Would I rather have Jokic? Yeah. Uh, would I rather have Joel Embiid? Yeah. Uh, would I rather have Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, not quite sure. Would I rather have Rudy Gobert for the long term? I don't think so. But even last season, or look, this if, season, I guess we're look, still in. We're running the risk of being homers here, of course. We realize this. We're not stupid. But um, if you're talking about what I'd rather have for the balance of their careers, I'd have to second guess on Joel Embiid. Look, yeah. Even. Look, yeah, the balance, yeah, no, the balance the of the careers is uh, is a different argument here. But are we talking this season thus far? And and obviously you're taking into consideration what they've done previously in their career. I mean, if that's the case, then Rudy Gobert is a no-brainer yeah. compared to Deion Dayton. No, but I, I think that forward, if you look at the impact this season, so that's what the, I think this list is essentially top 15 centers right now, okay. like this moment. This, so if we're looking at this season, would you have rather had Rudy Gobert over DeAndre Ayton? Of course, if you take out the 25 games, that, that makes a difference. But if you only consider the games in which they played and the impact they had in those games, I'm not sure that I would rather have Rudy Gobert than DeAndre Ayton. Look, Rudy Gobert took down the entire league. All right, DeAndre Ayton only took down himself. So, so I think I think that impact in and of <laughs> itself is, is is enough there, right? I mean, no, but when you look at it, I think if you're looking, Rudy Gobert gets a bump on this list because what he's done previously, and DeAndre Ayton uh, takes a step back simply because he missed those 25 games because of uh, of his positive test. So those two things taking into account, I understand why they put Rudy Gobert where they did on this list. All right. I, I understand that. But when we move and I, and I understand Carl Anthony Towns uh, in, in where they put them so far, because reputation is always going to always going to pl- have an impact on these kind of things. And, and those guys are living a little bit off of it. It's where we get in that next range of guys that I go, eh, I think DeAndre Ayton now and definitely moving forward uh, is probably better than uh, than Vucevic and, uh, you know, Probably Bam as well. <laughs> Bam has, has over, uh, you know, overplayed what a lot of people thought was his potential ceiling. Uh, I think we haven't even seen DeAndre Ayton scratch the surface of where he can get to. So let's talk uh, about it's Bam. funny. Somebody we got Jose in the chat. I like that. I'd rather have Aaron Baines over Gobert. Okay, well, now, Aaron now Baines we, didn't take down the whole league. That's true. Now so. we know. Now we know who who's running the Aaron Baines fan club Twitter. There we go. It must be Jose. So. <laughs> it's a quality Twitter account, by the way. I have a feeling whoever's doing it's getting paid um, because it's it's spot on all the time. But Bam Adebayo, I think that one's interesting. We kind of talked about Bam Adebayo earlier uh, in the season. If you look at his stats, he had so he was sixteen point two points. He was a, a ten rebounds. Really, what makes Bam Adebayo stand out is the five point one assists per game. Obviously, he is a, a energy type center, but he had a really uh, 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 impactful season. I mean, he was he was legit good this season. Yeah, I mean, he he yeah. was very 
very good and and i get it and this is another one if i'm i can't argue a lot about uh, about the guys in front of ayton because ayton shot himself in the foot with with missing those 25 games we're having a uh-huh. totally different conversation. He shot himself somewhere else. Well, you know, probably in the ass with whatever he was taking. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's—if uh, he actually had played those twenty-five games, I think we're having a much different conversation. We're probably talking top uh, top five, maybe top three, on this list if he had if he had played the way he did when he came back. The problem is people uh, remember the suspension. They remember. Uh, you know some of these little injuries that he had, and and it looks less impressive what he did. But watching him night in, night out, it's easier to make the argument that this guy very well could be a, a top three guy. And if he had played a majority of the season and hadn't missed those, I think we are saying DeAndre Ayton is a top three center in this league and after Orlando where a lot of eyes are going to be on those games. I mean, this is this is going to be a lot of people who are starved for basketball seeing the Suns uh, and watching those games for probably the very first time in a lot of cases. I think DeAndre Ayton could come out of this uh, having look looking a lot better to a lot of people who hadn't necessarily really watched him. Had maybe watched the highlights, had heard that he uh, he had put up some double doubles, but when you see on the court, it's totally different and, and, and changes your opinion in a lot of ways. Well, let's let's just think about uh, these teams and and uh, which center they would rather have. Of course, every team has uh, you know Homer fans, um, but I would even so we get Pasco Bear. So I would assume Denver wants to keep Jokic. Uh, you've got Philly wanting to keep Embiid. Minnesota is still going to be all tied to Cat. Uh, you got Rudy Gobert. The Jazz aren't going to give him up for Aiden right now. You've got Bam Adebayo. Miami's very happy with him. I actually really like him, of course, as a player. But then you've got Nikola Vucevic, who was ranked ahead of Aiden on this center's list. Um, and yeah, I would think even the Magic would rather have Aiden <laughs> than Nikola Vucevic. I think Nikola Vucevic would rather be DeAndre Aiden than himself. I, I'd go that far. Um, I think we're underestimating <laughs> how good Vooch has been because he's been in Orlando. He's been one of those, those teams. And by the way, Espo, your mic is a, is a uh, bit quiet. I think it's better. I think it's better now. I saw it and, and fixed something. So. Awesome. So this last season and the season before really the, the stats didn't change all that much. Uh, Vucevic, uh, he averaged right around 20, 21 points, 12 boards, 3.7 assists, a block, a steal, a turnover and a half. And he shot 36% from three last season and 33% from three this season. He has been incredibly, incredibly good. Blaze Megatron brings up a good point, too. Vooch can shoot the three, and that's obviously an area where DeAndre Ayton has lacked, and we've talked about that and probably talked it to to death uh, over the course of the last few years when it comes to DeAndre Ayton. Oh, come on. Nobody has ever said DeAndre Ayton should (laughs) shoot a three. What are you talking about? It would be very interesting if he comes back and actually attempts some of these in Orlando, because if you're ever going to gonna try to break out something new and experiment with different ways to do things, uh, this Orlando bubble is probably the best time to do it because everybody's going to be forgiving because we're all just going to be happy to watch basketball, at least for the first 30 minutes. Then we're going to be hypercritic per usual. 
Yeah, of course. But then we're just going to find somebody else, something else to be critical about. But I still, I still contend that the Orlando front office would uh, do a one-for-one one trade of Aiton for Vucevic. All right, so that's that's the point in which we are like, which one would you rather have? Okay, and it, it becomes debatable whether or not that front office would rather have it. So, uh, if you look, if you look at that um, in terms of the measurements we put in. That list seems pretty accurate. I do think it's interesting behind that list where they have Aldridge, then Ibaka, then Steven Adams, then Brooke Lopez, then Montrez Harrell. I, I think they're rating Steven Adams way too low yeah, on that list. I, I would rather have Steven Adams than Aldridge. I'd rather have him than Ibaka. Um, honestly, I'd rather have him than Aiton at this point. Uh, I possibly better than bam uh Stephen adams is solid and just watching the impact he has defensively i mean it's right up there with uh rudy gobert yeah but that's the whole oklahoma city thunder this year and they're getting no respect even though they're playing uh well beyond what anybody expected and i think Stephen adams is just a a case of that i i really do it's we're looking at at these lists and, and acting as if they were some scientific uh, yeah. effort to put them together. <laughs> and it's some dude like us sitting there working from home going, oh, I need to write about something. Otherwise the paycheck's not coming in top 15 centers. It is. And then, you know, watching YouTube clips and basing it on, on one's own opinion. So it's easy for these guys to, to slide because one guy just doesn't, care that much about Oklahoma City or or just doesn't think they're that good or has never really liked Steven Adams game I mean that's what it all comes down to we're all biased in one way or another and don't let anybody tell you differently that's just the way this it this all is and uh so I, that that's what a lot of this comes down to is this guy could just not have liked the fact that Steven Adams admitted when he was coming out of the draft that he had never had a Reese's peanut butter cup I mean it could be anything True, they, true story, by the way. They they put Derek Favors ahead of Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, so this Jonas Valanciunas has dropped down the uh, love it or list it kind of. You know, <laughs> he's more on the listed side. I think. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is. Well, yeah, but over Derek Favors. I mean, you know, give me a break. Uh, okay, Rudy, Lopez. Rudy Gobert very high. Derek Favors overrated. I think the writers of Utah Jazz fan. I know favors is there anymore, but they have an affinity for him. So, uh, Christian Wood, number fifteen. Thoughts? I was I. Well, it's too bad he's not a forward. I mean, I don't want him over Aiden, and if all he can do is play center, uh, then then you know you can't put him next to Aiden. But I would love for him to be one of those expenses the Suns have in the off season to to pick up and put next to Aiden. So uh, I tell you. Um, the Suns need a power forward more than they need to look at these centers to see uh, who we'd rather have. I think we just want to keep Aiden. I love that Dave just like, I'm abandoning Christian Wood because this one dude put him as a center. One dude. No, 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 no. I've seen a lot of listings that he's just he's more a center than anything. You can't have a power forward who, who has to have the, the center spot on the floor if you got Aiden on the floor with you. That's true. Uh, That's true. Fabio asked, Kaminsky isn't on that list? <laughs> he's he's number two on power forwards just uh he didn't make the center <laughs> list so. uh we're, we're gonna get off the top 15 list i do want to just briefly mention the fact that they also did this for shooting guards uh they had booker at number five um 
uh, had some really kind things to say about him. But I thought what was interesting is they had uh, Donovan Mitchell all the way down at eight, and I think C.J. McCollum was nine. I, I don't know. C.J. probably because of the injuries and, and everything this year, but uh, at least we know that guy wasn't a Jazz fan that wrote that. You know what C.J. McCollum is. C.J. McCollum is a bucket. Okay, is that a dad joke? I don't get. Uh, yeah, was no, a it's a Twitter, I don't understand. It's a Twitter thing. Everyone's oh, he's a bucket. He's a bucket. If if all he did was score, so gotcha. CJ McCollum is a very good scorer. He can shoot with anybody. He's just not quite a point guard. Not quite a shooting guard. Uh, he works next to Damian Lillard because Lillard is so freaking good. Um, but yeah, no, I CJ McCollum. Would you rather have him over Devin Booker? No. No, definitely not. I mean, you. Uh, part of the problem with their shooting guard list too is there were guys that aren't really shooting shooting guards. Right, Paul George. Yeah, Paul George. I think. Uh, I mean, James Harden. Uh, d- depending on, I I don't know. He did. It, it's positionless basketball, you know. So when you start to try to rank these guys in positions, you get guys that a lot of people don't consider that position on list so that that, that's how this is tough too center's pretty easy because despite things being positionless uh it's pretty it's pretty easy to find who got who are really centers in a league but when you get in shooting guard you know and small forward and those kind of things it's it's kind of a hodgepodge and that's what you saw on the list I, i think if we were looking at people that were truly shooting guards Devin booker's probably a spot or two higher because paul george likely isn't considered that he's he's likely moved into the small forward position Uh, that and i mean i obviously didn't watch every single clippers game like i did every single suns game but devin booker was more impactful at shooting guard than paul george was at shooting guard this season I will leave that bold uh, comment hanging out there. I'm not going to agree, disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Like, Paul George had a fine season, but well, it Paul wasn't George a Devin was Booker season. Injured a lot, but uh, he's, a, he's a guy that is, you know, going to be in the MVP consideration, one of the all-defense consideration guys. He can score with anybody, and he's like 6'10 as a shooting guard. So, uh, it's that's that's... It's tough to say that, and and he's and he's on one of the two or one of the three best teams in the NBA with championship aspirations. So that gives that gives you a bump too when uh, when you're debating guy on uh, on top three team versus guy on that barely snuck into Orlando bubble. I mean that that's going to impact a national list as well. Hundred um, percent. Last thing before we move on, a quote by Zach Lowe, where he was talking about Devin Booker over Donovan Mitchell in his latest podcast. He said, "I was talking." That this is a, a quote from Zach Lowe. He said, "I was talking to someone around the league the other day, and we were just sort of spitballing about players. There's a lot of people within the league who think Donovan Mitchell is still a little bit overrated, and this guy was one of them. We were talking about who would you rather have, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell? And I think the only skill in which Donovan Mitchell is ahead of Devin Booker is defense." And I don't think he's ahead by as much as you think he is ahead of Devin Booker. Passing wise, it's not even close. Like Devin Booker is a way better passer than Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Zach Lowe has finally caught up to where we've been the entire time. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for joining us on the bus. We appreciate it. I think you're- Zach's been a little bit nicer about Booker over the years, for sure. Um, but you're right. It, he, even even Zach was was downplaying the uh, the fact that. 
what Booker has been doing is conducive to winning. He just had a terrible organization and team around him and you put something competent around him and he's an all-star. So <clears throat> he's proving what we all thought about him and just not enough people watched outside the Phoenix metro area. That's all. And again, the same point I made about Aiton, the Orlando will be huge for Devin Booker because the eyes of so many people will be on these games that weren't traditionally on Suns games. So you could very well see a change in tune uh, as long as Devin Booker brings it the way we expect him to. So soccer has tried to start up, doing a little segue right here, has tried to start up with their Orlando bubble. Um, you have entire teams that have been sent back home because 10 plus players, including staff, have tested positive for COVID-19. You've had games that have been postponed. Uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps recently reporting that five players are not going to make the trip from Canada all the way down to Orlando because of COVID fears. You have Nashville, with, with which withdrew from the tournament completely, and a number of injuries specifically because all these players have not been um, uh you know, uh, playing, and then all of a sudden they have to just start back up, and there's been a number of injuries because of that. Uh, has the attempted restart from soccer in the Orlando bubble uh, given you any extra pause or concern about what the NBA is trying to do, and specifically with um, the injuries that have happened? Oh, of, of course. And I think the NBA is, is trying to mitigate the injury factor, at least with the way that they're giving more time. They're going to play some scrimmages. They're doing different things. But, I mean, MLS supposedly had a bubble in Orlando as well, and uh, obviously that burst uh, a, with multiple teams not even making uh, making it into their, their welcome back tournament or whatever. They're calling it now. I don't know how uh, effective their bubble was. I don't. I, I don't know the specific time they were in Orlando before these games started because that's research, and I don't do that for this show because it's so damn early on a Saturday. But uh, but those kind of things. Uh, my guess is it's not as efficient and effective as what the NBA is trying to do. But I certainly think we're going to run into a situation, and we're kind of seeing it with the Nets already where a team is going to be decimated by by positive tests and and potentially injuries as well uh, as as you go from 0 to 100 with with these players and it's the the bigger question is at what point do you wind up having to look at it and go we cannot effectively crown a champion because so many teams and so many players are out at one specific time. I think it's going to have to be catastrophic for us to get that to that point. I don't see the NBA pulling the plug unless it is unless it's somebody uh, some awful awful event happens based around around COVID and it's impossible. To ignore the impact, uh, I, I don't think a few positive tests are going to do it. I think it's going to have to be something very large to stop what's going on. I mean, multiple national reporters have called this something that is too big to fail, which is a term that is always kind of scary and ominous. But uh, but I think there's too much in on this between 
what Disney and the league have on the line when it comes to television revenue and what's already been spent in accommodations and how they've bent over backwards for that. You've got Turner with, with their TV revenue, the players with how much is on the line from, uh, from what they can make, even the owners on, on ad revenue. There's just so much that goes into this. It's going to have to be something insane uh, that happens for this to actually have the yeah, so I haven't followed the uh, the quarantine rules and all that for soccer, but I did check out what they're doing for the TBT, which is the basketball tournament that's played all summer, or each summer, and uh, the games are shown on ESPN. Um, it's a it's a sixteen team tournament, and they play for a million dollar purse. Like TBT is did. great, by and, the way. Like it is yeah, a it's great fun to watch. tournament. You have a lot of like really fun players that used to play in college or used to play pro, went overseas. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of G League guys. Like that is a great underrated tournament. Yeah. So what they did this year, um, I was reading a little bit about it, and I heard somebody being interviewed as well. And former Suns assistant coach Cody Toppert, who also was the head coach of the Naz Suns for a little bit, um, he was uh, a head coach of one of these teams as well. Um, but I digress. So the TBT, what they did is they actually got everybody into one hotel. They had 16 teams plus four backup teams for any teams that would get knocked out or, or have to quit because of the, of the Corona. Um, and they, uh, they had all those teams show up. They, they quarantined them all in a hotel for 10 days. Uh, you had to get there 10 days early. You had to sit in your room. You couldn't leave until like a couple of days before games started and then uh, you had to be tested every day for, you know, your um, temperature and stuff. But I don't think they were doing COVID tests every single day. And it was 10 days. And then they'd start playing. And what happened was is, is if they got two or three positives, teams would just drop out. Because it's no money or you make a million dollars. And only one team can make the million. So if you're going to lose two or three guys, and the tournament only lasts 10 days. The whole tournament only lasts 10 days. So if you've got a couple guys out, they're not going to be healthy before the end of the tournament. So teams would drop. And before opening day last Saturday, they'd already had uh, three or four teams drop out, including most of their backup teams. Uh, And then um, in the last few days, they've had some more, including Cody Toppert's team had to drop out because they had a couple guys get sick. And again, that's because the tournament's only 10 days. So you've got a shorter quarantine than the NBA, fewer measures and warm-up time for people to get healthy before games actually start if they come in with the coronavirus uh, and, or, or have to be quarantined as they get in the first, it shows symptoms in the first few days of having shown up. Um, but once you're in the bubble for a week or two, I would think that as long as they don't pollute the bubble with too much, they're, they're being very careful with the Disney employees, and though those folks can go home every night, um, they're being careful with them. I think the NBA is going to have less of an issue once players, either players are in or out by now. Like the Nets are just decimated as a team, but the team is still going to play. Um, but once you're in, I don't think it's going to be, um, knock on wood, I don't think it's going to be too bad. Uh, so I am looking forward to it. I think it'll go off. There will be some players who get it once they start allowing families and friends in and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think it's going to go off, and they're going to they're going to get their billion dollars back. They have a pretty strict policy on quarantining for when family and and other people can can come into the bubble too. So 
I, I'm, I'm 60%, 70% confident we're not going to see something major break out with, with them. Yeah, even the, even the showing up of the players, they had to, they had to test negative on consecutive days prior to travel day going to Orlando and then test negative, negative on consecutive days after landing in Orlando. So that's four straight negatives over four days, five days, whatever it is, not including travel day, before they can go and like hang out with other people. Yeah. And um, they are now suddenly, now they're playing five on five. Monty had originally thought they weren't going to play any real pickup until uh, July 13, but they are practicing. Uh, they're, be able, they're able to do walkthroughs and, and set play setups and stuff like that. So they're allowed to be, the players are around, allowed to be around each other maskless during the uh, practices, but the coaches have to keep their masks on the whole time and all the supporting staff and all. Well, and then um, we've seen some they're being careful. Where If they're intermingling, like uh, I saw a couple guys from different teams playing cornhole uh, on a video and they were wearing masks outside yeah yeah when you're not directors. on the court you're yeah. supposed to be in a mask all the whole time and monty was like taking us through everything they're wearing because we'd all heard about this but monty's got the bracelet on uh that gets him in and out of everything you know like the everybody gets the uh, the wristbands when they go to resorts he's got that but it's like a cool, smart bracelet. Um, you've got the ring that's supposed to measure your uh, temperature and your symptoms and stuff like that real time. You've got something around your uh, lanyard that is supposed to beep if you get within six feet of somebody else when you're wearing your lanyard, uh, your, your, um, your thing. So the players are all supposed to wear all, plus the masks. And the players are all supposed to wear these things uh, the whole time when they're not actually on the court playing. Uh, and then, uh, so yes, so there was video of them playing coral. I saw a video of them, some guys playing ping pong and they're all, they're all with their masks on. Yeah. Can I, we, it wasn't it, wasn't Giannis Antetokounmpo that showed up and basically a, uh, hazmat shoot. That, that uh, was suit. Embiid. Embiid. But that, was, that was Embiid. Yeah, dude, he it, is, he is ready to win. I saw that everyone's making fun of him and I thought, nah, that dude just wants to win a yeah, championship. There, there was a problem with <laughs> that though, because apparently he, he did not buy it appropriately sized because you could see his too full small. ankle. Yeah. Like it was too yeah. small. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't exactly the, the safest of safety gear is what I'm trying to get at. You, you would have thought that he uh, uh, he would have found a big and tall shop for his uh, for his PPE, but uh, let me. I want the thing that it strikes me as the 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 oddest thing about the bubble right now is you've got the Wizards who were uh, decimated more by choice than by injury or COVID, and then the Nets who were a combination of injury, COVID, uh, and choice that. That haven't uh, that are going to have a, a bizarre roster. I mean, Jamal Crawford, former Sun sign there. Michael Beasley supposedly uh, is in talks to sign with them. I mean, they're they're signing a, a cavalcade of former Suns to just try to finish uh, and complete their roster. I almost feel like the the NBA should put together a group of guys from all the teams who didn't make it and put together one team based of those guys and replace the Wizards or Nets with them because it's going to be and and the Suns benefit from this because they play the Wizards so I'm not in in game 1 so I'm not going to complain but those are two teams that are basically going to get their asses handed to them in in this whole tournament or in this whole in this whole bubble play which uh which lessens it cheapens it a little bit to me because we're we're going to just see two teams that have no business being there. I mean, Bradley Beal decided to bail 
uh, yeah, on but, his but, team. So. But, Greg, this isn't any different <clears throat> than any March in the NBA. Well, usually a team like Washington, who had a shot at still being in the playoffs, uh, guys wouldn't back out. Uh, I think... The, the no, but you get injuries like, and you get yeah, players resting that, if they're not going to be in the playoffs. And no, I get it. I just, I, I just think uh, let's. There are always times where teams kind of are short. Suns, the Suns played a lot of midseason games down six six players this year. Yeah, I mean that that's fair. You're right. It is. It is more of a a realistic way that this would happen. But I was hoping for all of these 22 teams outside of any major injury coming Total in. Total perfect health, it, it, well, pristine, not, glowing not, not every perfect, day. Not perfect health, but yeah. but just coming in and it's particularly in, in the Wizards. Halos. Yes. No, but particularly in the Wizards case, not having two guys that were the main two guys on your roster going, eh, I'm good, thanks, bye. You know, Wait, like, is, is Bradley Beal not playing? No, Beal backed out this week. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Bertans and what's the point of Beal even having him there? Out. He's yeah. got a shoulder issue. Uh, that he had and since it was hurting him all year, and he was playing through it. And at this point, he's just like, mm, kind of like Kelly with his knees. Like, yeah. mm, but that's, that's really not worth apparently, uh, potentially making it even more injured. Yeah, that's BS. Bradley Beal already got his money, and they have a legit chance at making the playoffs more so than the Suns or anybody, you know, most of the, the, the Wizards the don't have a legit chance they, at making. The they playoffs. have, they had, okay. They had two games they had to make up, uh, and to force the play in game, right? The nets are basically running out, uh, an alumni squad of guys who are never has been or never were, uh, and they would have forced a play in game. To if, be fair, Beal backed well. out. And Davis Bertans backed out before the Nets went down like a like a folding tent. Still, I I think I don't know. I have a problem with with that'd the, be funny the Wizards, if Beal suddenly gets Suns. healthy. <laughs> it it helps the Suns, and and that means Game One is that much easier. Now, if the Suns come out in Game One and they lose to this Wizards team, uh, I'm gonna throw a computer or something because this would be the <laughs> easiest uh, Game One win to start an eight. Buck dog comments. Ever. I hope uh, Ubre didn't quit on us. Well, Ubre wouldn't be going to uh, Ubre wouldn't be going to the. Um, uh, Orlando bubble himself with the Suns if he quit on the Suns and to support the team and all that as one of the 35 traveling party. Uh, and then he um, wouldn't kind be of uh, up in the air if he'll play too. Yeah. Like he said he's it is not up going to, you. but it kind of maybe Again, this Kelly week, will play. James Jones uh, said in a Zoom interview with us that um, Kelly's going to work out like everybody else. He's going to rehab uh, on the side like everybody else, like any time of the year when you're rehabbing from an injury. And when he's uh, cleared to play, he's cleared to play. They're going to be there six weeks. Well, and It's quite possible he'll be ready if the Suns are still playing meaningful games. Now, if it's the last couple of games and they're not meaningful because the Suns lost six straight go start, go starting out, then uh, maybe he doesn't play just because. Because that's the way you do when you end the seasons. Uh, but in, in fact, though, you, uh, you could flip it. Kelly wants to show he's healthy, or the Suns want him to look like he's healthy before the offseason, just in case there's some kind of trade scenarios being considered. So there will be push to even have him play for a game or two, no matter what. 
but it's even more likely if the Suns are in some kind of contention. So he's there in Orlando. He's rehabbing every day. He's practicing with the team. He's just not going to be cleared to play until he's 100%. And to be fair, he's never said he wasn't going to play. That was a a report that came out that that said he wasn't going to play. And so so I... I'm not on Kelly's case here. If he chooses not to play, fine. I, I understand that. But he's there. He's trying to support his teammates. And I don't know if anybody's watched the latest. I think they're calling it Don't Sleep on Basketball uh, on Suns.com. Uh, but you see equipment manager Jay Gaspar, and he's putting all the shoes uh, away to travel to Orlando. And he has a Kelly Oubre uh, a shoe that he shows that is the Converse shoe that Kelly wears in purple and orange with the Valley Boys uh, hand sign on it. And whether Kelly plays or not, I now want a pair of those shoes. They were beautiful. But to me, if you're packing Kelly's shoes, there's a chance he's going to play. You're not going to waste a space and effort yeah. if, if, if bringing stuff <clears throat> that you don't need when you're already going to have to move uh, basically everything a team has across country. So. Yeah, they also, um, uh, Jay Gasper also showed us the uh, Devin Booker playoff shoe, too. And so I get excited. They packed Booker for playoffs. Fun, That's right. Fun fact, too, the mask that, uh, that Jay is wearing in that, uh, in that video, not available for public consumption. It was a, uh, a specially made mask because I, I tried to find out and found out, uh, find out where I could get it, and, uh, yeah, you can't buy them. And so before we move on and talk about some of the uh, different experiments that uh, we might and might likely see in Orlando, I do want to take a minute to thank one of our longtime supporters, Joseph Shook, uh, for supporting the Sun Solar Panel podcast. Joseph, we do really appreciate you both, or all three of us, myself, Dave, and Greg. Um, If you watching right now feel like you get something out of the show and it provides some value for you and you want to become a supporter of it, there is a one, five, or $10 option available. All you have to do is open up the show notes if you're on the podcast version or open up uh, the description if you're watching on YouTube uh, and just hit that support the show button. Yeah, two two ways to do it. You can do it through Anchor, who so, who runs our podcast, or actually here on YouTube, there's a join button. We have a Elliot Kobo level, which is that $1, a Kelly Oubre level, which is that $5, or you can go all in and go the Devin Booker level and, uh, and sign up to join uh, as well. So uh, I love that, uh, Tim, you said uh, originally that only two of us uh, are, are thankful for Joseph supporting uh, the show. We'll let you guys guess which one uh, wasn't uh, thankful for it. It was Dave, so just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for supporting the show, everybody. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, the more money you give us, the better. <laughs> the more money you give us. Any, any. We'll take any at this point. All right. Uh, so, uh, Dave, you want to start this off? Some things that, um, yeah. statements you got from Monty Williams about kind of what the Suns are going to try and do a bit more? Sure. Uh, yeah, so we've, uh, we've, we've been part of regular Zoom calls with the uh, uh, with the Suns coach, general manager, and even this week some of the players, it's been real fun uh, because I don't have to leave my house to be a part of these things. It's been pretty great. In fact, as a blogger and somebody who has a full time job, uh, eight to five, Monday through Friday kind of thing, um, I don't actually have to. Um, uh, I don't actually usually go to practices, and I don't get to interview or talk to people in between games. I go to the games and I do the post games and pre games and stuff like that. 
But um, on practice days, I don't really usually get to be, play a part of that. So it's been really fun because they say now the, the sons record these Zoom calls and, if, and either I'm there or um, at the time, you know, and asking questions, which I have been able to do on most of them. Um, even the days I'm not going to be available, they'll send us the recording. So it's really fun. Um, but anyway, so we've, we've talked to these guys uh, lately and we're going to get that all the way through Orlando. We've already had two post-practice um, interviews and we've talked to campaign. We've talked to uh, Dario Sharich and uh, Monty Williams twice. And then James Jones earlier this week. So what uh, James Jones said is that they're going to focus a little bit more on getting rebounds than getting back on defense. The Suns were actually third this year in transition defense efficiency, meaning the points per play that they gave up in transition defensively was third in the league, third best in the league, which is pretty good. But they were also one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. Once you get past DeAndre Ayton, there wasn't anybody else trying to get rebounds uh, unless Kelly was slashing in there or somebody was slashing in there. But the rest of the guys were getting back um, on D and and guarding in transition. So the Suns were really um, uh, focusing on that kind of defense. And and but they are um, now in Orlando. They're they're going to experiment with maybe get themselves more offensive possessions by getting some offensive rebounds. So um, they're going to try that a little bit and see. They were 21st in offensive rebounding this year. Um, so. Uh, they're in third in transition defense. So you can see how they were focusing on getting back. Now going forward, at least in a few games in Orlando, they're going to see if they can balance that a little bit and get a little bit more offensive rebounds so they can get themselves more possessions because obviously scoring is important because, um, as Mike D'Antoni famously said, the best defense is a better offense. So uh, the Suns are going to try that. So hold on, hold on. Is it, does that mean three players to the boards and two players back, or something? We don't know what players? it means yet. Yeah, all, all five. Just Probably all five. The yeah, they're just going to give up the other end. <laughs> so if you don't get the rebound, fuck it. Yeah, um, which is also a Mike D'Antoni strategy. So <laughs> also that was yes. Um, also, D'Antoni's strategy is don't foul them when they're going in for that layup because then you got to get back down on offense as quick as possible. So there were a few D'Antoni strategies that have been out there. Um, that uh, he still tries with with Houston and, and his other teams as well. But no, the Suns, I don't know if that means they're going to send three, Tim. I just, uh, maybe that means they send that second guy more often than um, uh, slashing from, from the wing. I don't, I don't know. But, and even I asked Dario about that yesterday and Dario's like, yeah, well, we, uh, the coaches have talked about that and we're going to see what we can do, but we also really like our transition defense and getting back and getting set um, to, to defend the other end. And so they're not going to uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater here, but they're certainly going to try a little bit, see if they can balance it out. Uh, they're, they, they would rather score the points a, a little bit more often. That's all. Uh, and then another thing is I asked Monty about it because he had mentioned early in the quarantine that they got time to review a lot of their film this year. And he mentioned early in the quarantine that he wants to actually get Devin Booker at point guard more often than he had in the three months of the season that they had played the four months of the season. It was Devin Booker was rarely the only guard ball handler on the court. Um, they always had somebody else next to him this year to, to take the pressure off Booker for bringing the ball down and to keep him healthy. He ended up with one of the um, highest minutes totals in the league this year, but some of that is because he didn't get hurt. And some of that is because he didn't play point book too much. 
So we're going to see. So Monty, but Monty said, "Gosh, but we're so effective when point when point book is going, as long as he can stay healthy." So again, he's saying in moderation. I asked him about it yesterday. He said, "We're going to do this in moderation." I'm not going to just suddenly say he's our backup point guard. There's a reason they signed campaign and now they have five backup point guards. Uh, but he is going to a little bit more often put the book, put the ball in book's hands than he has in the first four months. Look, so that, we'll see what that means. That that just means he finally watched enough tape that he went, yeah, everybody was right about Elliot Kobo. I yeah. probably should play him <laughs> yeah. less minutes. Like when you have five. Let's hope he decided everyone was right about Elliot Kobo. We can only pray. When you have, I mean, when you have five backup point guards, you have no backup point guards. Let's make that very clear. You could Frankenstein together the good parts of each of those guys, and I'm still not convinced you'd have a true backup NBA point guard with that. Uh, you know, they took a, a Hail Mary flyer on campaign, maybe, which is so weird. It, it's campaign season. Anyways, really bad joke. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see if he has any kind of impact on the court in Orlando. I, I think this is kind of a test drive for seeing if he's a guy that is even worth keeping around in the future. I know they agreed to the rest of this year and, and into next. My guess is not a lot of that's guaranteed, so you easily can get out of it. Uh, but Point book out of necessity might be something we see, just because if you're if you have to go seven and one or eight and zero, you're you're gonna have to do whatever it takes. You're not you can't have wasted minutes uh, in this restart for the Suns because every minute is going to have an impact on whether you actually have a shot at the playoffs. I think the second they're eliminated, you're not seeing point book anymore because you're going to want to keep uh, the mileage off of him as much as possible. But up until that point, uh, I think we will see it because you have to try to uh, pull any lever you can to, to win games in this. Well, uh, you know, don't forget that when Booker's on the floor, the Suns' offense is in the this season was in the the top two percentile. Yep. When he's off the floor, it's in the bottom thirty three percent. So I'm sure no that support. that has something to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Just a little. It's bit. just a matter of keeping him healthy, though, yeah. um, so he doesn't get beat up too much as the ball handler. So some other things that we might see, and I thought this one was pretty fun. Uh, DeAndre Ayton as the the trailing three big, uh, which is pretty exciting. It's it's something that you see a lot from uh, Brooke Lopez, for example, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, so that's you also saw teams... it from Aaron Baines and Frank Kaminsky yeah. this year, even yep. in the Suns' offense. Which makes a lot of sense because essentially what happens when when uh, you know the 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 defensive team gets the board they take the they take the ball up the court right and the big starts running back which means the player that's left to run back up the court for the offensive team tends to be the big so it's a wide open top of the key three right there and so uh, there's a good chance we're going to see DeAndre Ayton. Shooting some of those threes, a uh, quote that he had was, let me tell you about that three ball. I'm shooting that three ball like it's a midi mid-ranger. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny because he doesn't really shoot the mid-range all that well, but still. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> but so he does it without, without hesitation. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I think he's saying he can take, he's taking it with less hesitation because <laughs> he doesn't it shoot now. it that well. That's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, you, he's honest. I mean, that's what we can say of him. He's very, very honest about it. Yeah, I, I, I you know DeAndre. Like though, let's let's talk in. about that for just a minute. I mean, the dude, the dude doesn't know how good he is. His even Kelly, um, uh, even Kelly tweeted this week that 
that uh, after after that big Mike Mike Schmidt's uh, interview with DeAndre in the film session with him last week that we talked about on on the show last Sunday. Uh, 40 minutes with DeAndre and explaining all these guys, def- uh, all these guys, offensive move tendencies that he was defending uh, very well. And then pointing out very honestly, when he wasn't defending him well in his rookie season and um, that, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing there. Um, he's very honest. He's very open. He's, he takes accountability for things and he admits when he doesn't know what the hell's going on. And I think once he decides he can shoot threes, He'll be fine, and he won't look back. But until he decides that, he's not shooting any, obviously. So one of these days, he's going to just suddenly become a guy who'll take two or three, one or two, whatever threes a game, and then we'll see what happens, and that'll open up. Same thing with with drawing free throws. All it takes is for him to figure out the moves that get the defenders off their on their heels and, and into a foul position. Once he figures that out, he'll be at the free throw line more. I mean, this dude is just scratching the surface, and there are things that he has like decided he can't do, and he's not doing them. And until he decides he can, it won't happen. He just decided this year, I'm going to be a defender. I actually, and he suddenly became a really good defender. I actually appreciate that about Aiden. Some will criticize him for it, but I'd prefer a guy who's thoughtful in the way he approaches, uh, You know, especially the three-point shooting. Uh, I mean, he easily could have just come out and been like, I'm just going to shoot him, uh, you know, from from day one, and I don't care. But it, it seems like he's well aware of of his own capabilities and what he needs to work on. And, and until he, like you said, is comfortable with with pulling the trigger on that stuff, he doesn't actually do it. And I think that's actually good. I'd rather have a guy that until he feels like that's really a part of his arsenal, he's not gonna he's not gonna do it. Uh, than a guy that just goes, meh, I'm, I'm going to chuck it just because I can chuck it. And uh, so I probably it might be naive on my part. I may be a homer because of that. But for me, that it, I like that about DeAndre. There is and value. Of, sorry, go oh, ahead. There, there, there is value in taking a three when you're given the shot, though, because defenses, yeah. knowing whether or not you will or will not take that three, adjust accordingly. And even if you're at meh, three-point shooter that big's going to get a little bit closer to you he's not going to sag six feet off if he knows that you might actually take the shot well yeah absolutely and then the banging uh uh andy Buckdog in the comments said i don't want him to get hurt himself by banging too much you know his, his ankles and knees and stuff no i'm talking about the booker foul drawing and I know it's a little different for a seven foot two fifty guy versus Devin Booker, who, anytime he gets he gets um, bumped, then the the refs notice. But and Aiden won't get the calls as often as Booker. I get that, but that's the kind I'm talking about. Just shoulder in, you know, a little bounce off, uh, a little bit of uh, you know, yell out. Not the not yelling the and one like Amari used to always do, but at least <laughs> yelling to contact and then showing a little bit of a fumble with the ball before you put it up and in. I mean, there's a way, there's an art to drawing fouls that you don't have to hurt yourself to draw those fouls. I mean, we're not talking, I'm not talking about he suddenly becomes Eric Bledsoe, who's on the on his back five times a game, uh, or TJ Warren when he did go and get uh, fouled. He was always on his back and banging his head. Yeah, head I'm not first. talking about that. <laughs> I'm just talking about just looking disheveled on your way and then um still getting the ball in because you you still had your balance i i i think it'll be another part uh, another evolution of his game that we certainly see i'm looking forward to it 
So another lineup or part of the lineup we might see is a Sharich, Aiton, and Baines front court. I'm all about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> all about it. No, I, I, I really am. I all about it. Then, then you put Cam at the two. You put Booker at the one, and the smallest person on that lineup, I believe, is six five. Right. Hold on now, a let's for a moment let's qualify the might see part. I remember seeing this as a as a tweet from Dwayne Rankin, the beat reporter for the Republic. And I think he was just thinking off top of his head. We haven't heard anything directly. And what's interesting, okay, let me talk really quick about media access. Because we're all working from home and it's just the Zoom uh, interviews, I feel really bad for the beat reporters like Gina Mizell, Dwayne Rankin, Kellen Olson. They used to get extra access to the team uh, because they were always around. They could ask for one-on-ones, things like that. They were at more practices than I was. They were at more um, road situations than I was. Um, so, you know, when uh, now Dwayne is stuck here, only hearing the same things I'm hearing for the most part. They can make extra calls still, but they can't. They can't uh, get as much access as they used to. I kind of feel like this is. This wasn't. I know this wasn't James Jones saying or Monty saying that they would be doing these things. But these are these are curious and interesting. I, I really don't see Monty ever doing Charge Eight and Bain's front court. I can't imagine a team he would pull that again. Well, when they're when they're going big, I you know, let's say you're going up against uh, the Grizzlies, for example, they're a team that can go fairly big. How- JJJ is the smallest 6'11 dude in the game. Hold on. How many Suns players have to get COVID for us to see a lineup with Sarge, Baines, and Aiton on the floor? I think I think there'd have to be five guys left and it would have to be those five guys that you said, Tim. I just uh, I do not see Greg, this don't, lineup. Don't ruin this for me. Don't. <laughs> I'm not even okay. sure we're going to see Sarge much, of, much at all uh, in this. Not, uh, not enough to see him in this Frankenstein bastardized lineup that you just suggested to be here this is no, no I, it's no not way. bastardized it's genius <laughs> all right <laughs> so let's now we're okay. only getting random pictures and videos out of orlando but i i do want to say that it's really clear that people not quarantined and not having passed or failed their covid tests include guys like booker and da which is really important however i have yet to see any leaked photos of mikhail bridges Frank Kaminsky, um, Aaron Baines, or even Ricky Rubio, either before or after, um, uh, leaked photos of them walking around with their bags. That doesn't mean they're not fine and playing. You know, it's and the Suns are not releasing names, but there are certain guys that we haven't seen. And the interesting thing is, those were the guys that were working out uh, at uh, at the Coliseum, and we know there was a report that they had to shut down. Uh, practice once or twice over yeah. there uh, because of somebody <clears throat> or, or individuals testing. And positive, James did so. say that uh, for sure not all the players would be flying on Tuesday when they all went on Tuesday the twenty. Um, sorry, Tuesday the seventh, um, and that the rep, other players would be joining later. Um, so I don't know who all tested positive and who did not, but. All I'm saying is there are certain guys they have not leaked pictures of practicing. Right, which is part of the reason why there is so much time between now and when those scrimmages start. Uh, anyone that did test positive for COVID has time to overcome right, that's uh, the, the sickness of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, 
I got a buddy right now in Arizona who, uh, who has COVID, uh, shout out to Evan. You talked to him last night, you know, he's feeling a bit sick, but at the end of the day, it's probably going to be something that he gets over just fine. You know, these other NBA players are pretty healthy as well. If they did test positive, likely they'll get over just fine and they, they will be there eventually. Yep. Um, <laughs> this one, and yes, this was a, a one from Dwayne as well, an idea. Uh, Devin Booker, the three, and Cam Johnson at the five. Cam Johnson at the five is absolutely terrifying Wait, to me. So, hold on. Who? So we've got in this in this scenario, Rubio, Bridges, Booker, Cam. Yeah, at the five. one of the one of the five. I mean, it's it's total small ball. What? Uh, which I, I would rather have Sharich at the five than, than Cam at the five. I don't want to put Cam anywhere near the five. Give me Frank at the five again, like before I go to Cam. Like again, how many people have COVID in this situation? <laughs> this makes no sense. I like the well. I think I'm the idea of Cam at the five is is can you go all small with just shooters? The Suns right. just don't have enough shooters. If the Suns had some more really good shooters coming off the bench, then then I could possibly see that, but. Man, that'd be uh, um, getting trucked on the other end. Hell, I'd rather have Booker at the five than, than Cam <laughs> at the five. Like, just don't, don't put, please don't put Cam at the five. And dude, it's brittle. Center you know? book. Yeah, yeah, yeah Cam <laughs> at right. five is a hip waiting to explode. I mean, that's that, that's what that is there. Um, and then another one, a, a campaign, Javon Carter, uh, backup. Um, uh, backcourt i you know i'm sure we actually will see something along those lines uh, it wouldn't be real surprising but i i don't know i'm sure dave has a bit more insight about how much cam johnson we're actually uh, not cam johnson a uh, campaign we're actually going to see yeah i don't have a lot of insight all i have is conjecture i mean why would you <laughs> sign a dude with not only a make good end of season contract like a lot of these guys off the street were given by other teams, but also a partial guarantee into next year. It's only a small partial guarantee, though. I mean, is over the over this eight games prorated, and the veteran equivalent of a, a little over a million dollars for next year. Only less than two hundred thousand of that is guaranteed to campaign. That's much better than he had. I love it when he was interviewed the other day. It's like when he got called by Monty Williams a couple of weeks ago, he said, I was out of that pool so fast and sitting down talking to him. I just, I just, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed to have another chance in the NBA because that's all I want. So I'm very happy for him getting another chance in the NBA. He did have lottery talent. He just couldn't make any shots in the NBA. The dude was a really bad shooter. I mean, if you thought Ricky Rubio was a bad shooter, you haven't seen campaign. So if he's become a better shooter, great, because he can pass. He can run an offense better than Javon. Um, but if you can't shoot then you're, then you, uh, and you're not Ricky Rubio, then you can't make it work. So uh, Cam, uh, does he have a chance over Ellie? God, I hope so, um, if he figures out the plays and stuff like that. But I do think Javon Carter has already earned uh, minutes in the rotation. Could those two play side by side? that'd be bad. That'd be like game eight so, when nobody else is playing because they're all just waiting out the sun, the summer. So, so campaign has Kendall Marshall syndrome. I can pass really well. Can't shoot, but I he's think, more athletic than yeah. Kendall Marshall. I, I think what he has in his corner though, uh, is in this situation is familiarity with Monty Williams having, yeah. having played with him, uh, in Oklahoma city, I believe it was, uh, uh, there at what Monty was an assistant coach so that he's familiar with him uh, and so that that's beneficial I mean that's why I think we will see 
Cam get minutes uh, because obviously I think this was a signing where Monty probably had influence along with James Jones. And uh, so I, I think we'll see him get minutes. But to Dave's point, we're not seeing that lineup until uh, the plugs have been pulled on uh, on their playoff chances. All right. And last up, DA showed up uh, carrying monitors into their bubble and some fans exploded at them. And uh, I don't know about your guys' thoughts, but I would much rather have them quarantined in their hotel rooms playing video games than non-quarantined outside of the bubble at the bar. Yeah, like, what what do people expect them to do? Do Like, practice posting up on the desk chair in... In their crappy hotel room, like what? Give these guys something. Playing video games is a great way to keep their minds off of everything they can't do because they're stuck in a bubble. And does anybody follow PJ Tucker on Instagram? Because last night he posted they the Rockets just got to Orlando yesterday. He posted <laughs> that Samsung sent him a seventy-five inch television uh, for his room. So like, it's not like it's not like DeAndre Ayton and and Devin Booker are the only guys bringing their their monitor and different things that yeah keep them uh, no there's been there's this uh nba bubble life it's a twitter handle and also it's in on instagram that just started this week and it's basically somebody who's just trolling at all these players instas and and twitters and and sharing their experiences from inside the bubble and these guys are not suffering they say they're suffering because they're not they're not eating quite as well as they always had. And they don't yeah. have quite the life they always had. But, you know, uh, Rajon Rondo tweeting, oh, I've got Motel 6 here. No, no, that's about as good a hotel room as I've ever had. So suck it up, Rajon. You Dude, know, so. I saw that as well, man. It made me mad. And then I said, yeah. there was somebody else that said, I swear, Braun ain't eating this food. I, I, you know, and I saw a picture of the food. Like, you better. Look, quit, man, LeBron got famous buddy. for Taco Tuesdays. He can eat this food, okay? Hey. I mean, the food isn't the best. I'll tell you that. It, no, it really it's, is a child's. It's, it, it's it's, it's not like they were they were served uh, uh, plates off the buffet of like really crappy food that were all put on a tray and brought to them. I mean, give me it's a not break. Like it's four hot dogs and a, and a squeeze of mustard. <laughs> that, no, that would be a, uh, I would see that and I'd be super happy. These guys like to a certain extent. You know, yeah, chill. sure. They're they're a little spoiled because they're a millionaires, little? but you know what? They can suck it up. It's okay. <laughs> Monty Williams is great, um, and, and even campaign. We're asking him too because he's just happy to have a job. But Monty Williams is great. He's like, look, man, this food ain't so bad. This is a this is a get to, not a got to situation. So everybody's here on their own volition. They've chosen to be here. They were given a chance not to be here. They want to be here. They're excited. You don't see any of the sons posting how they hate the food and all that. <laughs> I think the sons are, uh, Monty has them in the right frame of mind that they are lucky where they are and they should enjoy this life as basketball players as much as they can and not see it as a negative. Of course, the sons are still on the rise and some of these teams Obviously, they like Rajon Rondo. He's won championships, so he feels like he's better than some things. And you know, they're just having fun. I'm not really, I'm not really putting the players down right now because they're just having fun. They're just laughing. Yeah. They're posting, going, "Look at what I get to eat. It's not five star." Fine. And they're not hating life. None of these players are hating life. Um, they're they're loving it, and they're just having fun with it. And like you said, um, Greg, that uh, uh, P.J. Tucker had a big Samsung delivered to him. Most of these guys have all this 
total setup in their rooms. They've had things delivered uh, either through Amazon or through their team or whatever it is. They're doing fine. Yeah. Uh, and and now they get to ride banana boats all around the lakes in Disney. So it's not a big deal. Let, let's be let's be honest. I mean, we all saw the photos of the, that food. They're Disney World. That's a $400 plate of food at Disney right. World. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if any of us tried to buy that much food at Disney World, we'd go bankrupt. So now, I, 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 know you're kidding, I know you're but, exaggerating, but that would literally be a $30 room service oh, charge. It would be much least. more than that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking closer to 60 Like a, a hot dog at Disney World is $14. No joke. A hot dog and a cup of water or a, a bottle at, of water. You look at a well, Coke you, machine, you, live, you get charged 50 You live bucks in Orlando, Tim. Just like I run an old folks home. So, yeah, we know. You know all these answers. It's true, man. I, there's nothing more outrageous than the price of food at fucking Disney World. Like, it's it's worse than I've never seen anything like it. But uh, thank you guys so much. We really enjoy all of you uh, for waking up so early, joining us live here on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much to Buck Dog for becoming, I think, our first member of uh, the YouTube Membership Club officially. Greg, Woo-hoo! you yeah, run that thing, so I you believe- would know. I believe he is the first member, and I saw that you guys want flaming balls on there to sign up. So I'll uh, I'll find a way to get you some flaming balls. That was in the <laughs> chat. I, I'm, I'm not making this up. That was in wow. the chat. Wow. Go back and look. Is that some new uh, STD that, uh, that I don't know about? It, it, uh, yeah, it's just come up during COVID. Uh, flaming balls. It's uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's self self given. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, so uh, <laughs> also I apologize to Vincent. We have run out of time to play another edition of Kendall. Or Kendall, but maybe it'll make a comeback sometime soon. <laughs> and on that note, uh, for Greg, Dave, and Michael, thank you guys so much for spending an hour with us on the Suns Solar.